Thank you, Daniel, for that, um, for that offering message because that just sort of dovetails very nicely into what I'm speaking about this morning. You know, the Bible says that we are more than conquerors and we'll, we'll get, to that, um, that, get to that scripture a little bit later. We are more than conquerors. And, uh, and you think about that um, and you think, well, well, how is that? How is that? How are we more than conquerors? Well, Jesus said in John 16, verse 33, in the world you will have tribulation. doesn't sugarcoat it. In the world you will have tribulation. You will have trouble. Because this is a fallen world, there will be trouble. Didn't try to hide it. In the world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. <laughs> be of good cheer. You're going to have troubles. Be of good cheer. And naturally, that, 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 it just, that doesn't go together, does it? You know, you've got troubles. Well, how do you do that? How do you be of good cheer? How do you, how do you keep your, your, your spirits up, so to speak, when you're going through stuff and it is only because of the one that lives within us. And you can have a positive mindset and, and, and you know, I don't, I don't neg negate that. Um, have an having an optimistic and positive mindset is better than the other way, having a, a negative mindset. But it will only go so far. That will only take you so far. But to have the one who has conquered the enemy living on the inside is the reason that we can have joy that cannot be explained another way. The peace of God ruling in our hearts. Now that word that Jesus spoke, I have overcome the world, that word means to subdue, it means to conquer, it means to prevail, and it means to get the victory. That's what it means. And you think about the original directive that, that God gave to Adam uh, in the garden. He created male and female. That's an important one. Created male and female. And to have dominion over all creation. To dominate, to have dominion, to rule over. Now that original, that original directive that was given to Adam was given before sin. So the original, sorry, the original direction given to Adam was to have dominion, but then there was the fall. So Adam didn't have an active enemy before the fall, before disobedience. Now the enemy was there, but sin had not come into the world. The, the relationship between uh, God and, and Adam and Eve had not, had not been broken. So he didn't have an active enemy. So because we have an active enemy, it's more than having dominion, it is having dominion, but it is overcoming the works of the enemy. 
It's overcoming, it's subduing, it's prevailing, it's getting the victory over, over the enemy. Now, I've mentioned Genesis, so I might as well mention Revelation. <laughs> We've got it all covered then, haven't we? So in Revelation chapter 2, there are the letters to the churches. And um, in my Bible, they're read. <laughs> and um, so whose words? Jesus' words. It's, it's, it's Jesus' message to the churches. He's the one that says, I have overcome the world. You know, when the enemy came to, to uh, you know, and the, and the crowd with their, with their clubs and their torches came to, to arrest him in the garden, just prior to that, he told his disciples, the evil one is coming, but he has nothing in me. He has nothing in me. The enemy had nothing that he could take a hold of in Jesus to influence him. And that's where God wants to take each and every one of us. That there's nothing in us that the enemy can take a hold of and push us or pull us and, and cause us not to be and go where Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is, is, is leading so these messages were to different churches. And while it's a message to a particular church, it's also very much broader than that. So you could look at the different churches and, and, and the issues that, that Jesus was identifying in their midst. And you could say, well, okay, well, that's, it sort of identifies a particular culture within a body of, of believers. And you, know, you can go into any church and you, you can pick up sometimes very quickly and sometimes it takes a little while various cultures within that body of believers. That's, that's just how it is. You get a group of people together and there will be a certain culture. Now, sometimes it's very... Um, uh, it's, it's very deliberate the culture that is set and sometimes it's it just morphs um, and I think it's an important thing to have a culture that you go after but here we've got these different churches so the church at Ephesus um, and then I've got little headings in in my bible it's it's called the loveless church and <laughs> you wouldn't like to be known as a loveless church would you that's uh, not where we want to be. And you look, at, you look at the letter that Paul wrote to the, to the church at Ephesus and the, the, the depth of the revelation um, that, that is in that letter. And you think, wow, this, this church has got a lot of things operating. And they're actually commended. Jesus actually commends them for the things that were operating. But he said, I have this against you. You've left your first love you've left your first love you've got distracted with ministry you've got distracted with all the different things that happen in the in your body in the, in the body of believers but the primary the primary motivation 
being and loving, you've, you've moved away from. You've moved away from that. And that, that distraction, if you like, was something that, that was causing them to not be what Daniel was talking about and not showing what Daniel was talking about. And that's the love of God. The love of God. So it was a distraction and, and Jesus says there, he who overcomes, in verse 7, he who overcomes, he who overcomes this issue, he who overcomes, I'll give to eat of the tree of life. The next one, the persecuted church, Smyrna, church at Smyrna. Now, you read through that and, and you think, wow, they're, they're actually doing a really, really, really good job. They're a persecuted church. They're, they're hedged in. Um, they've, uh, they're going through tribulation. It says, I know your, tribu- uh, your works, your tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who call themselves Jew but aren't. So there was, there was a situation there where they were holding fast to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and operating in the love of God. The thing that... And there, there, was, no, there, was, no, um, there was no downside. There was no, nothing that was a correction to these people. There was an encouragement in verse 10. It says, Do not fear those things which you are about to suffer. Do not fear those things which you are about to suffer. So the encouragement is do not fear. And Jesus says in verse 11 that he that overcomes, who overcomes what? Overcomes the fear. He that overcomes fear will not experience the second death. You know, we live in a society today and over the last couple of years that has been so infiltrated with fear. It's been probably the predominant um, message. It's come in lots and lots of forms and it's been packaged up really nicely. But the basis of it has been fear. And that fear has caused a lot of things to transpire. It's caused a lot of attitudes. It's caused a lot of disruption. And we know that fear comes from the enemy. And we're to overcome fear. Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. So the love of God operating in our hearts as we allow Holy Spirit to move upon us bring, will bring fear to nothing. It will bring fear to nothing if we allow God to operate in our heart. The last, very last one. <laughs> as God operates, as we allow God to operate in our heart, fear will be brought to nothing. It will be expelled. It will be expelled. Perfect love casts out all fear. There was another church in Pergamos. 
It was a compromising church. That was the issue. They compromised. They allowed certain things to be apparent in their, in their midst. They allowed things to be there that weren't of God. It was an allowance. It wasn't a, it wasn't a, 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 a deliberate thing, but they saw it there and just thought, well, well, we'll just let that go. So that compromise and compromise in a, in a, in a Christian is a, is a very insidious thing. But that compromise was to be overcome. As Jesus said that he that overcomes, I'll give the hidden manna to eat. And I'm going to give you a white stone and on that stone will be a new name and Nobody's going to know that name except the person that it's given. So in each, of these, in each of these areas, there was an overcoming. Whatever the issue was, there was a way to overcome. Church at Thyatira, it was a corrupt church. And if you look at that, it's, um, it's actually talking about sexual immorality um, in the church. And that will undo a body of believers quicker than anything else, I can tell you. But Jesus said that those that overcome, those that overcome would have the power to rule. Church at Sardis was called a dead church. I know you have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. Wow. Wow. And I was, I was really looking at that and I thought, well, what does that actually, what does it actually mean? What does it actually mean to be dead? And, um, and studying through that, it was, basically it was a, a, a religious gathering. That they had the form of godliness, but no power. Nothing happening in there. Happy to have a, a, an appearance. So the Holy Spirit was actually not operating in their midst. And those that overcome, those that overcame, would be clothed in white. Church of Philadelphia, it said it was the faithful church, and this is a good one, so I'm going to read this one. Yeah, <laughs> we want to be the Phillies. And, the, uh, and uh, this is Revelation chapter 3 and verse 7. And to the angel of the church of, in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, <laughs> I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength and have kept my word and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world 
to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Hallelujah. So, the faithful church, he who over, what, did, what did they need to overcome? He who overcomes, overcomes the trials, overcomes the, the things that were going to come against them, and persevered. You know, perseverance... Perseverance in our society today is probably a quality that's in very short supply. And it's been heading that way for a a very long time. We live in an instant society now. Things, we we need things now. We we want them now. And I I feel for, for our young people because... Things are just so instant. You know, can, you re- can you remember dial-up um, internet? And that horrible noise. The horrible noise that it used to make and the minutes that you had to wait until it clicked in there. That would, um, that would be the end of, of some computer people today if they, if they had to go through that. That would... That would drive them nuts. And, you know, it was what it was. But we live in an instant gratification. Instant gratification is something that, that is, is such a thing. You know, I, I used to find that um, with my teaching sometimes. I, I would, and, you know, I've, I've taught for 37 years, about that long. And even just the, the difference over that period of time, when I, taught, when I first started teaching maths, the number of, peop- the number of young people who would, would persevere with a problem as opposed to teaching maths recently and the number of, of young people who would persevere with a, with a problem. Po- poles apart, even in that time. Oh, I can't get it. I can't do it. And yet... Just in the natural, just with the, with the application of, of, of um, perseverance, just that quality, and staying in, the, staying in it and, and telling yourself, oh, I'm going to get this. That, you know, it's an, it, it is a, a, a recognised thing. As soon as you say, I can't, because our brain and our mouth are, co- are connected, our mouth, we hear what we say. And we are informing our computer. Okay? So as soon as you say, I can't, you're giving yourself permission to turn off. You're turning your brain off. Because you're telling your brain, no future here, no, no, no progress. Don't even put any thought towards that. So perseverance is something that is so vitally important to each and every one of us. Perseverance in the trials. 
perseverance in the things that we think, well, what's, what is this about? Because, you know, we've got other scriptures that tell us about when you fall into various trials. <laughs> Consider it all joy when you fall into trials. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Knowing that that is actually producing something within you. And, of course, the church at Laodicea. That was the lukewarm church. And I was thinking about lukewarm and, and how to put that into a word. What was their problem? They were complacent. There was a complacency. You know, we're doing all right. We, you know, we're, we're doing good. We, we've got this happening and we've got that happening. And, and yeah, we've, we've got everything we need. And, uh, and the rebuke is, um, is fairly... Um, <laughs> It's fairly harsh. Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. (laughs) That's a fair rebuke. But to him that overcomes, Jesus said, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. (laughs) You know, the issues are there. And the issues were in these churches, and I said, you know, that was like their, their um, um, lost that word, their culture. It was their culture. And you, can, you could say, well, you know, maybe there are churches like that around the place, but we could take it even further down and take it personally. Because a church is made up of a body of believers, a, a group of, of, of people, individual churches. And the body is made up of, of bunches of churches. <clears throat> so is distraction a problem for us? Is fear an issue for us? Is compromise? Corruption, I hope not. Are we just doing things religiously? Or are we complacent? You know, that's the, that's the, that's the issue that, issues that we need to come before God with an open heart and say, Lord, search my heart. Is there anything in me that's going to cause me not to be able to experience everything that you've said is available? So that's fine. He that overcomes, good. So how do we overcome? How do we overcome? You know, I was, um, I was challenged with this just last week. How do, how do we, you know, because I was asked, what does loving one another look like? What does it look like? And, you know, I had to go away and think, okay, what does loving one another actually look like so if you've got your bibles romans chapter 12 we're going to have a look at what loving each other looks like now romans chapter 12 it starts off and we know these verses very well you know i beseech you therefore god uh brethren by the mercies of god that you present your bodies a living sacrifice wholly acceptable to God. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
But we get down to verse 9, and this is really, really, really practical stuff. Super practical. Verse 9, chapter 12. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honour giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continually, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality, Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on the high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible... As much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, I want to read that out of the, um, the Passion Translation. That's Christian Living 101. <laughs> and you think, well, that's fine, but they aren't doing that. Do you know where things start? Who does revival start with? Starts in here. Starts individually. I'll read it out of the Passion Translation. Let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another and never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. Despise evil and embrace everything that is good and virtuous. Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honour of one another. Be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion towards him boiling hot. Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. Let his hope burst forth within you, releasing a continual joy. Don't give up in time of trouble, but commune with God at all times. Take a constant interest in the needs of God's beloved people and respond by helping them. And eagerly welcome people as guests into your home. 
Speak blessing, not cursing, over those who reject and persecute you. Celebrate with those who celebrate and weep with those who grieve. Live happily together in a spirit of harmony and be as mindful of another's worth as you are of your own. Don't live with a lofty mindset, thinking you are too important to serve others, but be willing to do menial tasks and identify with those who are humble-minded. Don't be smug or think, even think for a moment that you know it all. Never hold a grudge or try to get even, but plan your life around the noblest way to benefit others. Do your best to live as everybody's friend. Beloved, don't be obsessed with taking revenge, but, that's, but leave that to God's righteous justice. For the scripture says, Vengeance is mine and I will repay, says the Lord. And if your enemy is hungry, buy him lunch. Win him over with kindness. For with your surprising generosity, you will awaken his conscience and God will reward you with favour. Never let evil defeat you, but defeat evil with good. You know, we could... We could <laughs> We could take that and study that and just start applying elements of that in our everyday life. And what difference would that make? It would actually make a huge difference in community. Because this is the actual practical application of the love of God from us to those around about us. You know, sometimes we read a scripture and think, oh, it's, I don't know how practical that is. Well, there it is. That's practical. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That word overcome means to conquer. And you know, there's no, there's no. That that shouldn't be a that shouldn't be something that um, we 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 hear and think. Oh, I don't know how that's going to work, because light is greater than darkness. The good that comes from what God has done in our heart and comes through us, is greater than the evil, that is in the world. Greater is He that is within you, than He that is in the world. Scripture says, light dispels darkness. You turn on a light, darkness flees. It's gone. You know, sometimes we don't feel like conquerors. Sometimes we don't feel it. And that's all right. And that's all right. But that doesn't alter the truth of what Jesus Christ has accomplished and what he said he has done for us. Hallelujah.
We're going to have um, we're going to have communion. So if you'd like, to, if you haven't got one, there's up the back or on the side there. Now, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And, you know, he was talking about a whole bunch of stuff before that that um, he had gone through and was going through. And, you know, that's the key. It is Christ within us that allows us to do everything that he directs us into. The power to do is within because he is within I want to read a, a, a passage out of Romans chapter 8. And, you know, there was a couple of weeks ago, I, I actually, um, I might have mentioned it in, in church as well last week. A couple of weeks ago, I, I, I think I challenged everybody, do we really believe some of the scriptures that... that um, that are in in this book, and actually, there's the two that I mentioned are fairly close together in this passage, and I hadn't hadn't even realised. Verse twenty eight um, just says, "And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose." Do we really believe that? All things work together for good. <laughs> it doesn't mean all things are good. That's not what it's saying. Because not all things are good. We live in a fallen world. But all things are working together for our good. If we love God. So in verse 31, it says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? That's how the scripture I, I said. Do we really believe that? If God is for us, who can be against us? What actual power do those who oppose us actually have? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? <laughs> Everything that God has, he has made available to us because the precious, his most precious relationship in the Godhead, God gave his son. There is nothing greater. 
there is nothing greater that God could give. So how will he not freely give us all things that sit below, sit below that? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who makes, also makes intercession for us. <laughs> Jesus has been busy for the last couple of thousand years. He sits at the right hand of the throne of God, making intercession for us. There is an accuser. He's the accuser of the brethren, and he accuses us before God. <laughs> and yet we have an advocate. We have one. I don't, I don't, know, why, I don't know why the enemy keeps accusing. It, it, has, it, hasn't he got it yet? He gets shut down every time he brings an accusation. Because <laughs> Jesus just holds up his hands. <laughs> Paid for. <laughs> Paid for. The issue of sin has been paid for. <clears throat> Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written... For your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's where Paul had come to. You know, you look, if you know of, of his life and experience and all the things that he went through, all the persecutions, all the trials, the shipwrecks, the imprisonments, the whatever... And eventually, he, he, was, he was killed for his faith. He died for his faith. And he, said, and he said, none of that has any effect on me. None of that has any effect because I know the truth. And the truth is that Jesus Christ died for me. And that he has a place for me waiting. And that was Paul's heart was to get that message to every person that he came in contact with. <clears throat> now, it says we are more than conquerors because we have the benefits of Christ's victory. Christ won the victory. He was the one that overcame. He fought and won the battle. He defeated the enemy and we enjoy the fruit of that victory. So we are more than conquerors. And you know, as, as we allow 
the love of God to permeate our entire being. And, you know, we do that, well, that other, those other scriptures that I was reading, we do that when we step out and share the love of God. That's how it permeates our being. It's not, I've got the love of God, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me, it stays here. It's to come in and go out. It's to come in and go out. That's how it permeates every part of us. And you know, none of that is possible without this. This is the central point of history. Of all history, this is the central point. I think I've mentioned that recently. Everything prior to the cross in scripture was pointing to the cross. And from the cross, everything going forward for those who accept it is a benefit. Christ sacrificed for us. Do you want to stand with me? I'm just going to pray. Lord, your word says that because of your love, you gave your only son that we could live. Lord, you didn't withhold anything from us. You gave everything that you had that we could come back into relationship with you. Lord, we thank you for it. Lord, we ask that this become a reality in our experience, Lord, a reality in our being. Lord, this is spiritual food. Lord, we're yet to come into the the full revelation and understanding of, of, of all you've accomplished and But Lord, I just pray that uh, as we partake by faith, Lord, that you would, um, Lord, that you just increase our understanding, that you'd increase our, our experiential knowledge of what you've accomplished for us. Lord, we thank you for it. Lord, your body was broken that ours might be healed. So Lord, we confess that as we eat. Let's eat together. Jesus, you poured out your blood. Hallelujah. You poured out your blood so that we could live in you, back in relationship with you. Lord, that our sins would be forgiven. Lord, that we have an eternity in front of us with you. Lord, we just thank you. We so thank you. Hallelujah. Let's drink together. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Amen.
This is a very little crowd. <laughs> Be praying for, for our community. Um, now, I know that there's some soup been going around. 